Welcome to the Win Daily PGA live stream. I am Sia Najad, and I have no Joel Shrek with me. I have no Michael Raziel with me, but I thought, well, if I'm not going to have those two guys, I got to bring on a heavy hitter to make up the difference. And none other than Nick Brettwish. You know him as at Sticks Picks. Nick, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be on. I'm sorry Joel can't be there. I know that guy has just been an on absolute fire in DFS and you as well. I pretty much get all of my uh, weekly DFS info from you guys. So I'm excited to be on the show. Uh, I'm sure we'll have some some different takes here, so it should be a lot of fun. I know both of us are kind of contrarian players, so I think we're going to be on a lot of the same guys, and it should be a great show. So here's the thing. You just recorded, I believe you just recorded your Better Golf podcast um, show for this week for the Valero Texas Open. So for those that have sort of watched this show but maybe haven't watched the Better Golf podcast yet, and and honestly, I think at this point, most people who watch this show are watching your show for like so many good reasons, including the intro, by the way. That intro was amazing that you guys have. (laughs) Did you like that? Shout out to whoever did that. I know you orchestrated that somehow. So, um, But can you just tell people that may not know like what, what the Better Golf podcast is about? Yeah, so uh, the Better Golf Podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at Better, B-E-T-T-O-R, Golf Podcast, or maybe it's just Better Golf Pod. I'm not sure which one it is. I should probably know that. But it's uh, it's not really DFS related at all. It's more about like picking off and uh, picking off like bad lines in the legal sports gaming industry and offshore if you're an offshore player, going into, you know, just like how to price players and how to find actual value, more of like an educational show. We definitely give out picks and everything like that, that we've been riding ourselves and that we're actually, you know, investing in personally. So it's not like we're just trying to tell you a bunch of BS that we're not actually personally backing. But I would say in a nutshell, it's to educate people on the the betting of PGA, which is one of the biggest grow the vastly growing markets in the legal sports gaming industry. And I think it's only going to get more popular every single week, especially coming up to the Masters. Like what better time to learn? how to make more educated golf picks than right before the master. So if you haven't check us out, like, and subscribe or, or give us some feedback. If you don't like it, we're, we're all ears. It's a pretty new show. So I'm um, looking forward to the future with that and looking forward to this as well. Yeah. And so I think you guys have had four or five episodes at this point. And it's funny that you mentioned the masters because I mean, win daily as a team and, and that includes the subscribers absolutely crushed the masters when it was back you know just five six months ago or whatever it was in november i mean it was it was actually my best golf fantasy week ever um me too i, I, was, I won that yeah. uh i'm sorry to cut you off i won that big ass tournament for uh it was i think it was fifty thousand yes. the first and it was all because of i thought it was d- a dead duck and then you know john rom shot himself in the foot on day four and i was heavy on john rom and then he made some eagle like on on I don't know what hole it was I think it was fifteen or sixteen whatever one's the par five there and uh, shot me back in the first so that was just it was a blast but I made that lineup strictly off of uh, the PGA Discord that you guys run and the cheat sheet so that was a blast I, I, I'm hoping for the same luck but I just remember going into that Discord and it was nothing but green screens from it everybody. was, was it was awesome. crazy and I, I'm hoping to replicate it I, I was second in the long drive um, I think that was the hundred hundred dollar single entry and then I was you know second or third in a few others so I actually had a, had a five figure week which was incredible. But, you know, we all like try to collaborate, the whole team, a lot of the subscribers, too. So if you're not already in the Wind Daily Discord, uh, please get in there. But let's just get on to the Valero Texas Open real quick. Let me, let me ask you, before we get into sort of the, you know, Nick, you probably have seen our show before. We just kind of go down the tiers of pricing, DraftKings in particular, from the 10K range and above and then the 9K range and above. But before we do that... Is there a particular type of golfer or, or are there are particular metrics that that you've been looking for in terms of like creating your model and, and that kind of thing? So what I wouldn't have you on, I'm not a big course history guy unless it's, you know, a place like Augusta National where course history does prove like, you know, strokes gained in a, in a positive way. Like this course, I don't think that's that's one of them. I weighted that very low, but it's more the tee to green stats for me this week, especially like around the green. So a guy like just randomly, I'll, I'll mentioned his name that my model never really likes like charles howell the third popped pretty high for me just strictly because of his approach and around the green game and, and just ball strikers you know Corey connor's one of the best ball strikers there is one here la or uh, two years ago i think it was like 250 to one um mm-hmm. my co-host on the better golf uh, podcast spencer had that ticket two years ago but 
So it's, it's more like ball striking to me. I don't think putting is going to be that important when it's such fast greens, like anything could happen. I, me personally, I've had like my best rounds on really fast Florida greens that I'm not used to coming from the Midwest. So I, I'm not really weighing putting very much at all, but it's more that ball strike and that approach and just anything really that's tee to green. So off the tee as well is something that I weighted, you know, rather strongly in comparative to other weeks that the model has been running for me. So that, that reminds me, uh, I, we probably should mention the, the other guy in Better Golf Podcast, it's Nick Brettwish and it's Spencer Aguiar. Now, Spencer Aguiar, he's done work for Roto Baller. If, if you go, it's, it's at Tee-Off Sports. If you go on his page, I mean, he, he gives actually, from what, I, from what I recall, other than the Better Golf Podcast, he gives a lot of other free content on his, you know, on his Twitter page. He's joined us on, on Sirius uh, XM Fantasy, of course, Fantasy Sports Channel. Uh, fantasy sports radio so um spencer is sort of the other half of that better golf podcast and it's you know i've heard every show that you guys have done and it's honestly he's the like, he's 75 percent of that show i just kind of guide it along and take notes <laughs> well you know your humility is noted but you know your model your 80 <laughs> model that you have built for our nfl people our, our nfl community in wind daily sports is something that i assume you're using particulars of that at least in some way in some fashion uh with with your golf and and if that's the case then then obviously you are being quite humble yeah well it is uh it's it's similar like the construction of it and the backbone of how it you know rates vegas and different markets of the the betting market and take those into you know like strong weights based on that so that's it's it's somewhat like that it's definitely not anything like the nfl because nothing kind of just the nfl and, and me get along so well so but it's i tried to base it off similar stuff but it's a lot more data in golf than i use for football and uh stoby's in the chat and, and uh, I'm you know some... it's i i it'll take everything for me to stay off of the nfl <laughs> with what's happened in in free agency and what's about to happen in the draft but we'll, we'll stay off for now and uh s guy hello thank you for saying hello as usual so let's start out in that elite range that's what i call it that that 10k and above range on DraftKings. obviously dj isn't here we don't need to consider him it, it's kind of a weird mix of guys normally we have like one or two more i think elite guys or guys w- we're afraid to fade because they're so good. But here we have Tony Finau, Jordan Spieth, Scheffler, who's just coming off seven rounds, you know, a week ago, actually less than a week ago, and Hideki Matsuyama. So anybody here that is from a DraftKings perspective, that is somebody you think you want to have in your lineups? I, I know I always take ownership into consideration. I know Finau and Spieth are going to be like probably the chalkiest of the chalk, but I want to get a lot of exposure to Jordan Spieth. I think, you know, ramping up before the Masters, he's a Texas guy, just like Scotty Scheffler. So in my rankings, they both rank, you know, top three. So Scotty Scheffler's ahead of Spieth, actually. I'm I'm probably going to fade Finau, especially at, you know, he's the most expensive one. He's probably the most chalky player of the week or, or one of. I just don't see myself getting a Finau. I don't think he, what he, you know, you're you're paying a price tag where he pretty much needs to finish top five, which he's certainly capable of doing in this field. But my model had him ranked sixth overall, so I'm I'm going to fade Finau, and I think my top exposure would be Jordan Spieth, and then um, Scotty Scheffler, like a, maybe two of those if I could fit him in the same lineup. For, especially for cash, is going to be one of those guys. And then in GBPs, I think I really like Hideki. Do you like, I guess, what are your thoughts on Hideki? Like, that's a guy that I, I really want to play, but I feel like I just, I'm forcing it because he's the low-owned guy of that range. Like, maybe we yeah. made this, this range in general. I, I don't know. I was on a show yesterday, and, and my thought was, I haven't been, and this is what I said. I, I said, I haven't been on Hideki in quite some time, but he does seem to be the perfect contrarian GPP play. again, it's one of those things where if I'm making 10 lineups and I want to throw Hideki in one or two just to be contrarian, that's fine. The problem with Hideki is, you know, we used to lean on his ball striking and and we would say about Hideki, okay, well, he's, you know, hopefully he has a a good enough putter. Maybe it's a zero putter. Maybe it's a positive putter. And then he's going to just go out and win the tournament if that's the case. The problem with Hideki lately is off the tee, he's been so checkered. It's just been so up and down. And so if I can't rely on the ball striking, I don't see the reason to pay this number. But to your point, it's a it's a great contrarian play. I mean, he's probably going to be, what, probably 10% is what I'm seeing right now. And, you know, if he does get the ball striking back in this field, it makes sense. Am I going to have him in any of my cash games? No, zero. Right. Am I going to have him in one or two lineups out of, let's say I'm, I'm doing 20 lineups this week. Will he be in two of them? Probably, but that's it. No more than that. Okay. He he just popped for me a little bit because of the T to green stats overall, but I feel like I'm just trying to get cute for the sake of getting cute with ownership. So I I, I personally believe Speeth or Sheffler is the guy for me, and I'm just not going to play much Finau at all. 
Gotcha. Yeah, and I, I, I tend to agree with you. Let me ask you one thing on Scheffler. Does it matter to you at all? I mean, Scheffler's an athletic guy. He's a relatively young guy. He's from Texas. He's probably sleeping in his own bed. So those are all kind of points for him. But does it bother you at all that he played seven rounds and he was clearly he was clearly weary in that seventh round? I mean, he was pretty much awful. Uh, the other six rounds, he was great. But he's pretty much awful day seven or round seven. Does that factor in at all? Do you, get, do you have any hesitation whatsoever? Yeah, I t- that was like one of my concerns. I can't wait that. Like, I can't put any data behind that and just uh, claim he's tired. But it's not like he's like, you know, a su- like a super built guy like Bryson. Like Bryson probably trains to just play this much golf. Like he plays eighteen, he shoots a hell of a day, then he goes to the range until sundown. Like he's just kind of built to be an absolute machine. At least right now, while he's young, we'll see how his body holds up. Uh, you know, a decade down the road, but. Yeah, it's certainly a concern for Scotty. He doesn't strike me as like a guy that, you know, works out. I'm sure, he, you know, I don't know. I don't want to judge his, his work ethic or anything like that. Like he certainly made himself a hell of a player over the last couple of years. But, yeah, it's seven rounds in a, or yeah, it was like, what? yeah, seven rounds of golf last week. So seven rounds in, in, five, in five days. I mean. Yeah, that, that's alarming, but maybe him staying you know at his house i'm sure he's got like a hot tub and stuff i don't want to be like a doctor now and (laughs) i don't know like it's a weird like do we need to look at it that in depth i guess what's your take on on shuffler is it worried concerning you i don't know i mean any other week it wouldn't it just happened to be match play last week and so when you get match play and you get the guy that goes to the finals it kind of matters to me i mean i was talking with some other people and we we kind of thought monday he'd just be a withdrawal and be like hey you know what the masters is in a week or a week and a half, and that's what I want to, you know, prepare my body for. But again, he's a young guy. I don't really think it matters. But you know, if if I'm if I'm leaning between Jordan Spieth and Scheffler, it's Jordan Spieth because of yeah. that. So I'm 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 making it a tiebreaker. But I got to be honest. There's so many guys in this 9K range that we're about to go into that he's almost like losing the tiebreaker there too because I'm a little worried about the seven rounds. But I think he's a great play. I mean, he's obviously one of the elite guys and and a guy with tremendous upside in this range. So let me ask you, I look at this 9K range, and because it's short, I'll just go ahead and say the names for the people that are listening on the podcast and maybe not looking. You got Abraham Answer, Corey Connors, this is in order, of course, Ryan Palmer, Cameron Tringale, Charlie Hoffman, Brendan Steele, and Matt Kuchar. So I like honestly all of those guys with the exception of maybe Kuchar. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go, I'm not gonna chase last week, even though he really was impressive last week. Um, I don't even really know where to start here. Are there a few guys in your model or in your estimation that are really popping in this 9K range? Yeah, Brandon Steele really pops for me, but man, everybody in this 9K range, and Ryan Palmer as well, the model loves him. I think he's ninth overall for me. Uh, Brandon Steele's 10th. But dude, the ownership in this 9K range is just mm-hmm. so through the roof. So it seems like everybody and their mother and brother right now is taking one of Finau, Spieth, and Scheffler, and then pairing it with one of these guys in the 9K range. And that's like the the chalk build this week. So if you're playing in GPPs, maybe find a way to get different. Uh, and maybe that is Hideki. I don't know. But it's hard for me not to just autoplay Corey Connors because like, yeah. I know he's the highest, probably the highest known guy this week. Everybody you know knows what he did in 2019, knows how elite he's been of late. And it's a course where putting probably isn't going to matter too much. And and he ranks number one in my model too. So I, I probably gone ahead have to choose Corey Connors. Like he's certainly popping the most if he's showing up number one at, over guys like Scotty, Jordy, and you know Tony Finau. But Brandon Steele's the guy I think I want to get the most exposure to just because it's, you know, it's a ball strikers course. I think he could play pretty well in the wind if it gets windy out there in San Antonio. I've actually been right by this course, and it was a very windy day. I don't know how the weather is there on a consistent basis, but I think there was some weather concerns. So I, I like Brandon Steele a lot, and he's not super, super popular, but like 15% on, on DraftKings and ownership is pretty damn high. So I don't know. It is, but but the the good news is that's going other than Kucher, it's that's going to be the lowest of everybody in the nine K range. I mean, it looks like Brandon Steele and Cameron Tringale are both very popular, but happen to be less popular than Charlie Hoffman, Ryan (laughs) Palmer, Corey Connors, and Abraham Answer as well. So I like Brandon Steele quite a bit too. I thought he'd have like a little bit less ownership percentage. We'll see. You know, Stephen. Polardi, of course, he's at Sicily Kid in our Discord and, and with our articles. He's going to have final ownership tomorrow around five or six o'clock, and th- those numbers are extremely accurate. So yeah, we'll, have a, we'll have a really good idea of where guys like Brandon Steele are sitting. But I'm kind of thinking about you know when I see 
Corey Connors, I'm okay investing in. I mean, I already bet him outright. I bet him before DJ withdrew. So I got I got a nice number there. I'll probably be betting him for the Masters next week if I haven't already. I got to go back and check. But I also like, I like his price for the Masters too. I mean, he's such an elite ball striker. His putting's getting a little bit better. So I think I, I'm going to eat that chalk. But like when it comes to Ryan Palmer specifically and Charlie Hoffman, uh, how you feel? Like I'm normally a Ryan Palmer guy, and I do like Charlie Hoffman. But are you willing to invest this price in them with this type of ownership? No, I will not play either of those guys at damn near 25 percent ownership. I see in Hoffman at like 22, Palmer right around 23, 24. Mm-hmm. I think they're just both going to be a fade for me. Unless if I had to choose one, I think I would choose Hoffman in cash, and I think he's a you know 200 bucks less than Ryan Palmer. But for GPP, no, I'm not interested in either of these guys. I, I just cannot get down with that type of ownership. And these guys are both very volatile players. I know they're good course fit here, but yeah, like you said, this price for a guy like Charlie Hoffman and Ryan Palmer just doesn't, it's not for me. Let me ask you about another guy. So, so right now it, to, to me in this nine K range, it's probably Corey Connors, Brandon Steele, Abraham answer in that order. And it's not, that's not just like because of my model. It's not just because of the stats I've seen. It's also I'm factoring ownership percentage in there as well. But Cameron Tringali is a guy you and me have been on for quite some time. I'm curious what you think of him. I mean, he rates out great in my model uh, again, as usual. Uh, Is is that a guy you're willing to take in some lineups in spite of the fact that he is expensive and he is somewhat high owned? So Tringali actually, like, yeah, you and I have been on him every single week. I just actually talked about Tringali. He's a little fade for me because of, it's not like his recent form's bad, but he's not, he's losing strokes around the green and he's, um, or, and approach as well. His approach has been down, but he's just so, so good off the tee. That's why, like I've, I've had such a hard decision with like, is the off the tee going to outweigh the around the green and approach that he's had over the last, you know, 30 to 45 days. But I don't know. I, I feel like if I'm going to do anything, I'll just take a Tringali outright ticket because I have to get some exposure for when he wins. I can't be the guy that sits out, but he grades out actually 14th overall for me so he's behind brandon Steele. he's behind palmer he's behind answer and he's well behind hoffman my model actually does love hoffman i just can't play him with that ownership but yeah so if he's i I gotta trust the numbers he's the odd man out for me in this group i think in addition to kuchar i just i will not play kuchar gotcha i mean obviously if you do want to get contrarian i mean in the 9k range kuchar's the guy yeah (laughs) um Okay, let's go to the 8K range here. Um, I don't think I'm going to read off all the names here, but I'll, I'll tell you, it kicks off with Siwoo Kim, um, and then it goes to Cameron Davis, Lanto Griffin, Chris Kirk is a guy I like, Zach Johnson, Keegan Bradley, and then we got a few names after that. Uh, anybody that's jumping out to you in this 8K range? I mean, there's a lot of fades that I, I like a lot of people I don't like in that regard, but Zach Johnson grades out pretty well for me. Not like incredibly well, but... At 18% ownership, that really turned me off there. I, I think I'd rather go to Chris Kirk right around the same. Lonto Griffin, I think we always play Lonto. He's just, he seems like he's a walking cut maker. Um, Cam Davis, though, my model is very low on a guy like Cam Davis, and I couldn't really figure out why. I had an overall 42nd, which is, does not make much sense. It doesn't agree with any sports book out there. So I guess if I'm going to trust the numbers, I'd bet him not to make the cut. But that just seems like a suicide mission because he has so much upside. But I personally, I, I don't really care for this AK range. I think I am my favorite of the of the guys that you kind of, well, you didn't even uh, mention Adam Hadwin. I think Hadwin's a guy that I like at like 0% ownership. I think this course fits mm-hmm. him really well. So uh, Adam Hadwin has been working with uh, a new swing coach, and uh, that looks to have improved his game over the last few weeks. I and mean, if you just mm-hmm. notice his last couple of finishes, it almost seems like the Adam Hadwin that, we thought he was a couple of years ago when his ball striking was great. So I think Adam Hadwin is on the rise. And I think if you get him this week, you're getting him early. And that's exactly where you want to be. So I totally agree with the Adam Hadwin call. I'll add in, I agree this 8K range is, is, is not great. And I'm not a big Cameron Davis guy. He's just been too all over the board. I mean, the guy has plenty of potential, plenty of upside. But, you know, I want you to be somewhat accurate off the tee here. And I, I can't count on that for Cameron Davis these days, at least not right now. Uh, Chris Kirk, though, you mentioned him. I mean, he's, his history here is great. I think he has three top 15s in his last three. His ball striking has been great lately. And then the other guy I like is uh, Keegan Bradley. Any thoughts on him? So Keegan Bradley, he's, uh, I think he's 10th overall in my model. And 
uh, who else was Chris Kirk is yeah ninth. So they're right next to each other. I think what I like about Kirk you, to touch on him a little bit is like he has done so well in such strong fields. Like he's mm-hmm. playing with elite golfers. There's really only three or four elite golfers in my opinion in this tournament. So it's a really good spot for Kirk to win. I think you mentioned you had an outright on him. Mm-hmm. Keegan Bradley just seems like he's in really good form too. I'm not really a Keegan Bradley guy, but this is another course that fits him really well. So for him to be, you know, top 10 or 11th, whatever he is in my model. I think it's a really good spot for him. I just, I'm not sure if I'm going to play him when he's approaching 20% ownership. So hopefully the, the wind daily projection from Sicily kid tomorrow has him more in like the 12 to 15 range. I think I can get behind that, but I think like, I kind of just want to fade this whole AK range in general, like unless it's uh, Adam Hadwin, because if he's going to be zero to 5% owned, like that's a guy I'm going with. And then Chris Kirk, I think he may, Chris Kirk may be like, I may try to pair up Kirk with Adam Hadwin and kind of just avoid, you know, playing two of those nine K guys or one of the, uh, you know, the the top tier, the ten and above, and a nine K. Like every every single person seems to be building right now, or what ownership projections are leading me to believe, at least. And and by the way, I'll, I'll give out some outrights and first round leaders at the end of the show, and maybe you you can as well give us a little sneak peek. Not all of them, because let's have them listen to the Better Golf <laughs> podcast with you and Spencer. But um, I'll tell you, I, I just looked, and Chris Kirk's number is forty one to one. Obviously, before the DJ withdrawal, that would have probably been closer to fifty to one, is my guess. Yeah. Um, but uh, first round leader, that, that's going to be one of my guys as well. And that is, uh, I know those are kind of quirky things to to call out as bets, but we kind of hit those all the you time. You crush so them. Yeah, you do yeah, crush them. Like, say, say them every week, by all means. Uh, but Kirk's 55 to one. He's going to be one of the five or six guys I'm going to recommend as a uh, first round leader. So uh, I like both of those for Kirk. So let's head over to the uh, 7K range. I mean, this is obviously, you know, it's always kind of the biggest range outside of the 6K range. So there's a lot of guys here, you know, as I'm going down the list, I'll mention a few guys, Nick, and then you can maybe mention guys that you like. And then maybe if you if you love or hate some of the guys that I mentioned, Andrew Putnam is interesting. He, he's not one of my guys because of how he gets to where he finishes. And it's usually he's, he's leaning on the putter a little bit. But um, I think he's interesting. Uh, I think Danny Willett is interesting. I think Brandon Grace is interesting in that high 7K range. Grace has done... Pretty well recently. He's gonna be he's gonna be fine in the wind, and we're probably going to have I, I you know the early for, forecast that I saw. I think we're looking at wind Thursday, Friday in that 15 mile per hour range, and I think it might die down over the weekend. But anyway, to the extent there is wind, which there usually is here, I think Brandon Grace will navigate that fine. Other guys I like, and and these are more guys I like because of their price and because of their ball striking. Two in particular, John Ha and Doug Gim. I like nice. both of those guys. Quite. Oh, good. Okay, that's that sounds like we're on the same page here. And and I'll leave you with that. I'll tell you, um, Sicily Kid mentioned uh, Matthew Naismith. If you have any thoughts on him, let me know. And outside of that, I don't think I'm really taking many shots in the 7K range. So just to just to wrap that up for me, Brandon Grace, Danny Willett, maybe Andrew Putnam. I'm not necessarily sold on that. And then of course um, John Ha and Doug Gim. Uh, I, I like those two as well. Any comments on those guys and any other guys? Obviously, you mentioned Charles Howell. Any other guys you want to mention? Yeah, I, I'm going to be very high on Charles Howell just because how much my model likes him. So I, that's a guy I never play. So to me, that's like a good thing because it's like, a, you know, I'm not betting with my heart or anything. I'm trusting the numbers and I'm, I'm trusting the spot for Howell. I know he has really bad course history here that Spencer was just talking about on the better golf podcast, but I don't really care about that this week. I think this is a course that, you know, it's a field that he should be able to succeed. in. if he's going to be like 5% owned, I'm, I'm very interested in how Brandon grace. I think you nailed it. I think he should be probably, you know, 12 to 15% owned. I'm seeing half that right now. Danny Willett. I absolutely love is like a 0% owned guy. This guy is really good off the tee, good around the green good approach like he's in good form this is a prior masters winner so maybe he's trying to find his game again and go make a run at augusta because you know the, like no one had him winning that week so i think it's a really good spot for danny willett i love that call andrew putnam i'm probably going to be off on i know he's been better off the tee gaining strokes uh, over the last like 30 to 40 days but historically that's not his his strong spot you know people change their swing and stuff like golf's a game that's you're always changing stuff about your game so I don't want to weigh too much into that. It's just not a guy for me, but John Ha is a guy that we just talked about for a long time. And then uh, Lucas Glover. I like Lucas Glover a lot here. That is going to be my goofy first round leader is Lucas Glover. 
I will try to find what sportsbook has the best out of it. It's going to be high. I think he's outright 150 to one. So to be a first round leader, it's probably going to be. I love it. Pretty wild. But yeah, uh, and then Sam Ryder, I think he's the most popular of this group. I'm a hard fade on that guy. I will not touch him. Me too. But yeah, Gim, I absolutely love Gim. I think Gim's more of a, I think he's kind of an everything play, actually. Like he's been playing, uh, we talked about Chris Kirk, how uh, he's been playing so strongly in strong fields. Doug Gim's the same way, the Gim Reaper from Arlington, Illinois, right up this road from uh, my house right now. So I will always back Doug Gim. I think he's due to win one. I hope like he just kind of falls apart on Sundays all the time. So I don't know if I'm worried about that, but he's pretty popular too. Like he's going to be like 12% in ownership. So that kind of scares yeah. me, but yeah. I yeah when, you, hook all. when you get to that low seven K range and then you start to see double digits, you're like, Oh man, this is probably bad chalk. So I hear you there. It's just for him. The price just seems to be so reasonable. He, yeah. Like, he should be eight K. Easily. Exactly. Or like 7,800. He should be at least Brandon Grace's price, in my opinion. Yep. So uh, another, and that's no disrespect to Brandon Grace. I, I like Brandon Grace. But yeah, John Ha is, is, is very interesting. You know, we, we passed right over Ricky Fowler. One thing I noticed, uh, this is just with DraftKings Sportsbook. I didn't, I didn't check it with anywhere else. But, you know, John Ha is 70 to 1 on DraftKings Sportsbook, while Ricky Fowler is 75 to 1. So consider that and consider their DraftKings price because Ricky Fowler is 8,100 and John Hu, John Hu is 7,400. So he's got the shorter odds and he's 700 less. Now, again, it's you're comparing him to Ricky Fowler. So, you know, he's probably, you know, overpriced on a pretty Just routine name basis. name value, yeah. Exactly. But it still kind of tells you something. It might tell you something about Ricky Fowler, but I think it also tells you something about John Hu because the other guys in his range are not as short as him from what I recall seeing. So that's something to something to consider. He's definitely a good ball striker, and and I think that's you're getting him at the right price. I don't know a lot of maybe we're talking about him too much. Maybe his ownership all of a sudden goes up to ten percent, but right now it's kind of high, but not too high. You know, seven eight percent is probably what we're looking at. So hopefully that that stays there. But uh, any other guys in the seven K range that you know maybe maybe a one single bullet type guy that you're like oh maybe I'll throw him in. Yeah, so he popped a ton for both uh, Spencer and I, so I love that because we, we do not give our, our picks at all until we actually do the podcast live, so it's more of an organic reaction. But Chase Seifert, a uh, mm-hmm. guy that's in amazing form. I'm worried about him because, like, yeah, he finished 18th last week, but, like, I, I just asked Spencer this. was like, is an 18th place finish for Chase Seifert even, like, a top 35, top 40 finish this week in what is a, a reduced, you know, competitive field if you want to call it that because there's again there's only like five six elite golfers and then the rest are just you know guys that are always middle of the packers but any thoughts on chase seaford he is he's very high in my model i think he is he's 20th overall um harry higgs is up there too i won't play harry higgs just because how bad he is around the green and his ownership's pretty high too but any love for Chase Seifert? Uh, a lot of love for Chase Seifert. So it's funny nice. you say that. And I'm kind of I'm kind of mad at myself now because, you know, I do that initial picks article, which comes out for a winddailysports.com on usually like Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoon. And, and this week, it's usually 10 to 12 golfers. Again, their initial picks. And uh, Chase Seifert made the cut. He was going to be on, on that top 10. And then, you know, I, I talked to a couple other people and I actually bumped him for somebody else. And I'm not going to even mention, go, go read the article, you know, obviously, but um, I'm not going to mention who I bumped him for, but Seifert should have been in my initial picks article because he's been really good. And again, in this field, he's eight, he was 18th last, last week at Corrales. And you might be thinking, like you said, well, that wasn't, you know, a super competitive field, but he was third at the Honda. And he was 15th in Puerto Rico. So, by the way, if it's windy here, he clearly handled the wind pretty well yep. last week. So, the, I mean, he's striking it really well. He's just one of those guys. The, the all-around game is kind of there for him. So, I, I think he's a great play. I think he's definitely a little under the radar. I'm not looking at his ownership right now, but I think he's definitely... Oh, it's, it's low. It's like 5%. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I like... And I actually like him as a pivot from Harry Higgs. I'm not going to play Harry Higgs this week because he's nope. super popular yeah, and as good as he has been. I mean, last week on approach, I think the guy was incredible, but we've seen that before. We saw Matthew Naismith do that and then everybody was on him the next week. And Naismith actually has a better pedigree, in my opinion, than Harry Higgs. So I'm happy to just fade that chalk and maybe pivot to a guy like Chase Seifert. I think every week of my life I've taken Neesmith top 40, and I think I'm negative now on him. So I don't know if I – it's more of like a a personal vendetta, I guess, for me now. So as as I talked about not betting with your heart, I fade with my heart. So I don't know if that's a a good anti-practice for me or not. But one guy I had a question on, I asked Spencer did as well, Um, Gary Woodland. So, like, 
if you think of like elite golfer names that you know if i go ask my fiance about golfers in this field she's gonna think well i know jordan spieth i kind of know scotty scheffler because you talk about him recently she knows hideki and then she probably doesn't know anybody else besides gary woodland just because what he's done over the last couple years i know he's faded off but does gary woodland have any business here winning this tournament like is maybe did he find his game a little bit or is he just a guy that you know like uh like brooks kepke starts to kick it in the gear when master's season comes around or all the majors like or am I just overthinking it? Because I, I see Gary Woodland this low priced. I know he's pretty good in the wind, and he's like going to be zero percent owned. So, is there any love for Gary Woodland or no? So there was a time a couple months ago where I thought he had sort of found it with the driver. Oh, that's great, Scott. Uh, Scott, thanks for watching, by the way. Um, yeah, there was a time where I thought Gary Woodland had maybe found it. And I don't think he's found it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, especially uh, like with the driver, I, I just don't think he's there yet. And on this course, when it will benefit you to be, you know, kind of accurate off the tee, I just don't think I could lean on him. Now, considering his pedigree, if I'm in like, a, you know, 150 max and I want a few shares of Gary Woodland, I totally get it. But if I'm in a single entry, I, I'd rather take a chance with somebody else. You know what I mean? Like somebody else that might be low owned, like we just talked about, like a Chase Seifert, for example, or some of the guys you were mentioning that that are also low owned. So no, I'm definitely out on Gary Woodland. Um, the the upside is there. I I play a lot more single entry, I think, Nick, than you do. And so he doesn't really factor, even if I'm playing a ton of single entry, I just don't think he factors into the equation for me. I think that's fair. That's a great answer. He's more of a 150 max type of guy where even if you get, you know, 10% out of your 150, you're, you know, 3Xing the field and exposure there. So that's probably the way to go. But yeah, um, I think my my single bullet, if it's single entry, uh, I think I'm going to make like a lot of lineups with John Huh. And mm-hmm. in larger field GPPs, I'll pair him with Lucas Glover. I think getting really low ownership with both of those guys is going to be something I'm very interested in. I will tell you this. I'll have to throw it in our in our text chat because I believe it was Patrick. He was pretty big on Lucas Glover earlier today, and I and I don't think that was in our group chat. So I'll throw it in there for everybody to kind of talk about. And I believe speaking of Matthew Naismith, I think uh, Sicily Kid Stephen was on him. So um, we're gonna have to vet that out. And that's by the way, guys. That's why you need to get in Discord because. A lot of these things were like, yeah, yeah, I think I like this guy. You know, we'll have to kind of maybe look into it a little bit further. I feel like right now I have a really good sense of who I'm going to pick. But Discord Wednesday night, you kind of never know. I mean, I won a first round leader on Sergio Garcia two weeks ago, or maybe it was three weeks ago, because Steven kept talking about Sergio Garcia. And it was like 11 o'clock at night. So I was like, oh, let me just throw that in there because I don't have a ton of um, DraftKings, you know, liability on him. Let me make him a first round leader, see what happens. And boom, I hit for $800. So uh, those of you that are part of the Wind Daily Sports team, like make sure you're in the, the PGA Discord uh, channel. But if you're not part of the Wind Daily Sports team, you know, it's super easy to sign up. Just go to winddailysports.com. We got a bunch of free promotions on the site. So uh, definitely get in there. So the 6K range, Nick. Um, let me just, before I get into any guys, I, I don't like a ton of guys in this 6K range. Um, there are a few that I do like, though. Is, is there anybody just right off the bat you're like, yeah, this guy, this guy, I feel like is a cut maker and might have some DK points behind him on Saturday and Sunday. So my model, it's a, it's a whole different point scale. What it does, it doesn't actually project fantasy points. It projects like a PowerPoint, if, or uh, that's kind of a bad word for it, but it, you know, like points for, I don't know, even know how to explain it, but it will not show anybody that's under zero. So it doesn't go negative. So there's only very few guys that are in the 6K range that my model likes a lot. One of them is actually... Um, Brandon Hagee at what is he going to, he's going to be like a zero to 2% owned guy. Let me see what his overall ranking was. It was pretty high 30th overall in my model. And he's priced down like, you know, 60th. So like he was a guy that popped for, you know, a very positive spot for me and Brandon Hagee. Uh, I like the upside of Joseph Bramlett. I think he's a guy that like has absolute star power, but had, you know, I think he's had a serious back injury in his day or whatever. And he's kind of just, slowly getting back to what he could have been, but he's been in pretty good form. I like Bramlett for another guy that's going to be really, really, really low owned. Um, but that's kind of, yeah, you know, I'm not a Pat Perez guy. He always grades out like, all right. I think if you play Pat Perez, you got a really good chance of seeing four rounds out of him. So I don't think he's going to burn your lineup. Kevin Chapel, I think he's going to be around 10% owned just because what he's done here. He's won here one time. Um, haven't heard his name since, so I will not play Kevin Chapel. Jim Furyk, I think he's safe. 
Um, I know he burned a ton of us. You know, I, I'm, I don't know if you were on him at the Honda Classic, but like I mm-hmm. thought he was the, the biggest free square in the world and he missed the cut. So I don't know. And then Roger Sloan's a fade for me. I'm just trying to figure, see who else is like actually popular. But I think in that range, like it's going to be Sloan and Chapel, and I don't want anything to do with either of them. But I think my guy is going to be Brandon Hagee overall for – and then a little bit of Bramlett. Yeah, that's that's actually interesting about Brandon Hagee. My, my eyes just like <clears throat> didn't register that he was even in the tournament. But um, he's definitely flashed lately. I get that. And by the way, this is the first time I'm looking at Roger Sloan's ownership. Uh, he was in my initial picks write-up, so I'm a little discouraged that he's like creeping up to you know 8 9%. That's kind of shocking to me, to be honest with you. He does have three top 25s in his last three tournaments, so obviously people are noticing, but... He's definitely a good player, yeah. Yeah, he's a good player, and, and his price is, is absolutely right. Um, Kevin Chappell, another guy that looks to be popular. He's starting to flash, you know, lately. Obviously, he's a previous winner here. Jim Furyk is interesting. I, I, I didn't really consider him. I'm trying not to get into the 6K range from a DFS standpoint this week, but I think Furyk is fine to go back to. I, I genuinely do. I, I think... I don't think his lack of length is going to kill him this week. And so we liked him as a great ball striker two weeks ago. I don't see why we would all of a sudden be like, oh, well, he's just not going to flush it well anymore. So, yep. yeah, I saw that comment. from. from <laughs> this Austin. is the best. Sorry, I just read this when you were talking. I was dying laughing. <laughs> I don't know. So, so Austin, so the, the technical difficulty with um, AirPods is I, I think – there's like like reverberation or, or there's like a delay with AirPods. So I need to fix my setup for sure. And then look, let's see. We got Scott with a Chapel comment. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, it's the course history for Chapel. I get why people like him, but like mm-hmm. I I just – I'll make that stance that I cannot play him. But I'm yeah. with you. Like I think if you just load up on – I like a lot of these guys in the 7K range. Uh, mm-hmm. one, one dude that did uh, grade out pretty well for me. I only saw him play the one time. I think it was at Pebble Beach. He was dominating there. It was that SK Batia oh, Batia. guy? Yeah. yeah. Do you like him at all? I do, actually. Actually, Batia, you know, I, I didn't get down to that range when I was just sca- – my eyes were scanning 6,400, but... and we've seen the upside. So that's – but we've only seen it like once. So that's kind of my hesitation there. Ton of potential. I mean, obviously risky in a single entry. But if I'm in a three max – you know, and I, you know, I might throw him in one in in a three max. I mean, if I'm in a 150, then um, he's definitely in a few of those. I mean, I, I have no. I mean, he he was his his swing is really nice. I mean, it's funny when you see this guy on the the course. He gen he's only 18, I think. He genuinely looks like he's 14 years old. So it's, it's one of those guys. You're like, <laughs> I, can I back that guy? Like, how is he like even contending with some of these like. Um, you know, these guys near the upper tier, but no, Akshay Batia is super solid. I'm a fan of that play. Um, anybody else in the 6K range you're willing to, you know, throw a dart at? No, I mean, I always like a little bit of Nate Lashley, but I, I don't know. It's, and he wasn't really showing up much for me at all. But yeah, I think like my models loves everybody in that 7K range for the most part. So I'm just I having will. a hard time getting down this low, like you said as well. And there's, there's really no reason to, especially now that you don't have to roster DJ, because I think a lot of people were like, well, I'm going to throw DJ in my lineup. Let me see where it goes. Well, yeah. now you don't really have a lot of guys at the top that you like absolutely have to have in your lineup, which of course, and you can, of course, but what that means is it's going to be a lot easier to like not have to go into that 6K range because I know a lot of people might start at 9K. A lot of people might start with Jordan Spieth, but that's Jordan Spieth is 900 less than Dustin Johnson was. So, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're creating, you know, you're creating, you know, dollars to spend in that low 7K range, and you really don't have to go into 6K. I will mention Cameron Percy because that's a guy I've sort of leaned on for kind of the whole year so far, and he's just, you know, he doesn't necessarily make every cut, but he's he's almost like a, a poor man's Jim Furyk or maybe a younger version of him. Pretty good ball striker, pretty good guy to lean on. Might not be a great DraftKings score for you, but again, you're paying 6600 for a guy like that. And I will mention Scott Stallings. Uh, he's been pretty bad lately. I just, I just think he's better than what he's been playing. And who knows? Maybe this is the tournament where he pops. I'm, I'm not putting him in a single entry, but I think if he had a couple shares out of, you know, twenty or thirty lineups, um, I don't think that's the, uh, the end of the world there. So, Nick, let me ask you this. So yeah. this is the, this is the part of the show where, me and Joel. Uh, give Michael our outrights and then I usually give first round leaders and then sometimes we might talk about I don't have any right now but sometimes we might talk about top 40s or head-to-head matchups that we like 
Now, I don't know if you've even gotten there yet, but then again, you just did the Better Golf podcast, right? (laughs) So I'll tell you what. I really want people to, if you, for everybody listening right now, and we, we got a, a good number listening. For everybody listening, if you're, if you haven't already done it, do it either right now or immediately after the show. Just better golf podcast. It's not that hard. You go to the what is it, um, the the Apple what whatever, yep. and uh, better is B E T T O R golf podcast. Download that five star review, just like you would do for the Win Daily podcast if you haven't done that already. And listen to the show. When is it actually dropping for people to listen to it? Usually it's late Tuesday night because I do a little bit of post-production cutting out some dead air because the last thing I want to do is give you like an hour and 30 you know, podcast. So we try to keep it right around an hour, if not a little shorter for, for shows like the Valero because obviously we're, we're resting up for the Masters. But yeah, <laughs> um, late Tuesday night usually every week. If not first thing Wednesday morning, we like to get it out by you know, early morning so people can use it on their commute if you're going back to work now nowadays and whatnot. But yeah. Love it. And by the way, if you're using it on the commute, make sure that's the first thing you listen to. Like don't do music because the intro again to the Better Golf Podcast <laughs> will get you so amped up. I'm actually not even like, I'm kind of jealous. Like I, I'm not even like joking. It's such a cool intro. I know you think I'm joking, but I think it's really cool. That's another reason to go to the Better Golf Podcast. Okay, with that said, why don't you give like two outrights? Don't give all your outrights. Give like two outrights. Sure. If you have, it sounds like you have a first round leader or two, give a couple first round leaders and maybe give a couple top 40 or a couple head to heads, knowing that there's plenty more where that came from with you and Spencer on the Better Golf Podcast. Definitely. I'll start with, uh, I'll start with top 40 markets. Cause those are my favorite. That's like what my model has been. Like that's, I guess if I'm grading my, my bets, like that has been by far my most profitable market to attack. So my first one, and and I cannot stress this enough, is like price shop. If you're in a state with like legal sports gaming, like me in Illinois, there's William Hill. I think the score from Canada just is uh, is now entering the state. DraftKings points bet, FanDuel, um, whatever the hell else is out there. MGM may have an app now. I don't know. I'm Barstool, but you know Barstool and DraftKings and Rivers, if you guys know them, they all use the same odds maker and Canby. And it's I'm not going to go on that rant, but you only need one of them unless you're trying to take advantage of like promos and stuff. But I will leave that rant for another day. But on points bet, Charles Howell III uh, to finish top 40, he was plus 120. And my model priced him at minus 125. So that's about 45 points of value in my favor. If you look at DraftKings, um, so kind of compare the market a little bit, he's minus 125 on there. So that matches my price, which is great to see. He's like, you know, that my model's on the right page. But then you go to points bet and he's plus 120. So I love that price discrepancy there. A little bit of value for me. Um, Harold Varner the third. I seem to always like him in the top 40, no matter how strong the tournament is. I don't necessarily like him at this yardage. And especially if it gets windy, he can kind of fade. But there was a little bit of value there. I had him priced at minus 115 to finish top 40 on points bet. Again, he was plus 110. So a little bit of value there, not nearly as much as the Howell ticket. And then the other one that I absolutely love is the John Ha ticket as a plus 140 to finish top 40. I had him priced at minus 115. So I got a really, really good value there. And that's, again, on points bet. I think he's even money on DraftKings to finish top 40. So 40-point difference from DraftKings at points bet. Just another reason why you need to price shop. If you're going to buy some, you know, check all the prices if it's available at the, you know, the snap of your fingers like it is on mobile sports gaming now. Awesome. So it sounds like we're, it definitely sounds like we're on the same page uh, with, uh, with John Huh. So that's actually kind of awesome. So Spencer um, was too. So it was great. It was great to see. <laughs> so that, we're all three on it. That's awesome. Um, did you already, is that, is that everything? Did you go through the list? Yeah, for my top or, 40s and then for outrights, I like, Glover, I like Zach Johnson at sixty to one on points bet. I think Glover was one fifty to one on points bet. If, uh, and he's also my first round leader. Just dart throw because I will not play a guy that's like under eighty to one on that ticket. And then I think Hideki gets it done. Um, he's only nineteen to one. I think Fanduel is the best price for him. If uh, I haven't checked offshore, so if you're not in a legal state, I'm sorry, I don't know the offshore prices, but. I think this is a tournament that he can go get and, and get himself right. But I was also very interested in Danny Willett. I haven't punched that ticket, but then you started talking about him, and that was a guy that I was sitting on the fence on. So mm-hmm. I think I'm going to go punch a Danny Willett ticket at uh, whatever book has the the longest price for him. Nice. Yeah, I don't mind that play at all. And maybe maybe as a first-round leader, he's a good play too. So yep. um, I'll give I'll give some outrights. So I, I already took I, I don't like to take short outrights and I don't like to take short first round leaders. But in this particular tournament, it, it kind of forced my hand because there, there wasn't there was 
the price was good enough. The pre-DJ withdrawal, the price was good enough for me to take a couple of these guys. Sure. I got Corey Connors at 25 to 1. I don't really recommend it where it is now. I think it's like 18 to 1. Um, yeah, the value's it, gone on him. It's gone. Even at 20 to 1, I don't really like it. So, I mean, that's kind of gone, but just like full disclosure, I'm on that one. I was on Cameron Tringali. It's 25 to 1 now. I think I got it at 30 or 33 to 1. So, again, that was before the DJ withdrawal. Um, but guys that I, you know, you could take a shot at, uh, Chris Kirk, I think at 41 to one or 40 ish to one, I think is decent value. Um, I thought Doug Gim at hundred to one was decent value. And I'll throw in Matthew Naismith at hundred to one because, uh, the, Nick, that one's kind of more for you than anything, but you know, Steven, <laughs> Steven kind of mentioned him in, in our texts back and forth earlier. And I'm like, you know, this guy really is a good ball striker. I don't expect him to win, but hundred to one is a long enough number for me to be interested, but I'll tell you what, I don't like that one nearly as much as a couple of the ones you discussed. So that one kind of takes a back seat, maybe to, maybe to John, Ha, who I also might play as a first round leader. And, uh, let's see, who was the other one? Uh, you had Lucas Glover as an outright or first round leader. Both very okay, small, gotcha. like maybe like a tenth of a unit on both, but I think that he's my uh, my one fifty to one bomb that I'm going to play this week. I think this course fits well for him. So I'll give you my first round leaders now, and then Nick, if if you have any sort of wrap up thoughts or or any other you know guys you failed to mention, let us know. So what I do, Nick, in case you haven't seen it lately with the first round leaders, is I kind of break some news. What I do is I give like four picks and my fifth pick is usually the breaking news and that is like the lock guarantee guy that's definitely finishing as the first round leader uh by thursday night so i'm going to give you the four guys that i think probably have a shot but they're not the guys that are actually going to win it so take that for what it's worth um sebastian munoz did we talk about him am i looking at the wrong show he's in there i looked I overlooked him big time. He grades out as number 21st for me and Doug Gim's 22nd. So I like Gim and Munoz has, you know, probably a lot higher upside than Doug Gim. I know Gim has played very well lately, but yeah, we did skip over Munoz. Well, I'll tell you from a first round leader standpoint, Munoz is kind of gold, right? He's kind of like in that Charlie Hoffman, Ryan Palmer ilk where, you know, they can go off in the first round. They've yeah, he can go real low. A history of doing that. So Munoz at 66 to one. I think when Kevin Chappell at 80 to one, I think I've actually seen him, even when he was playing poorly, he would actually have some good first rounds and then just completely tail off and potentially miss the cut. So Chappell at 80 to one, I'm throwing this guy in because he's kind of my guy, but he's been pretty terrible. We didn't mention him at all in this show. Henrik Norlander at 90 to one. He just simply can't do it over four rounds right now. It's, it's really discouraging. But for one round at 90 to one, I mean, the, when the ball striking is there for Norlander and if, if he's got a zero putter and great ball striking in this field, I think he has a shot at a first round leader. And the other guy, you mentioned him already, Akshay Batia at 125 to one. It's a fun number. It's not an expectation that, that he's going to do it. But so Munoz, Chapel, Norlander, Batia. And then here's the breaking news given at 850 Eastern Standard Time which I believe is 7.50 Central Time. Sure uh, is. There in Chicago for, for Nick Brett Wish and Company. Your breaking news, the first round leader at the Valero Texas Open at 55 to one, unless you can get a better number, is none other than a guy that we've talked about a lot in this podcast. And his name is Chris Kirk. That is your first round leader. Empty out the bank account and put it on Chris Kirk as your first round leader. It's the responsible thing to do. That's right. I will go ask Abby if we could cancel our downtown wedding and everything and just go to you know the courthouse because i need to take all that money and put it on chris kirk at 55 to 1 i like that price a lot it's an investment tell her it's an investment it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's right. a lock tell her it's an absolute guarantee we can get married three times when he wins i'll say exactly <laughs> exactly um i'll tell you what what i want to do I'm, I'm like literally scanning my model right now and this maybe this is how we close the show i just want to see if there's any names on here that maybe we didn't mention that happened to be somewhere in like the top let's say 30 of my model lucas glover is there jim furick is there oh interesting tyler duncan is 6300 tyler duncan is typically accurate off the tee and he's typically good on approach now the problem with tyler duncan is he does it all Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday. He's usually pretty terrible and he gives you huge numbers. I mean, is that going to be the rest of his career? I don't know. Maybe Duncan's a guy to consider in showdown for like a super cheap price, but Duncan, you know, his ball striking hasn't been terrible lately. So I think it's 6,300. I'm seeing him on, on my model, which I may adjust admittedly at 26th, uh, which is obviously pretty high. Um, Naismith is up here. 
Cameron Davis is up here at 20. Let me let me see if I can find a name that maybe we haven't really discussed. You mentioned him. How much I got do you a couple like? too. Okay. How many, let Go me ahead. start with with the one, just one that I have. You mentioned him, but I kind of forgot what you said. Harold Varner the third. How do we feel there? I just think he's a very safe guy. He's not going to burn your lineup. I think he's going to give you four rounds. He's going to four rounds. I think he's going to make the cut. I think he's going to finish right around thirtieth. So it, with his price on DraftKings, I think that's decent value. I don't love him. I think he's more of a cash play. But and then you just take him like in, in the top forty or top thirty markets if you want to do that. But I don't think he's got tournament winning upside, especially if it's windy. That's what kind of threw me off him. Was uh, but uh, it's a guy that I play every single week. I always bet on Garner. He's been very very good to me. The models seems to always pick him right. But he's just more of like a middle of the packer guy for me. I don't think he's going to win you a tournament, unless he's like a zero percent owned guy, which I'm sure he's not going to be this week. But yeah, right. it's just not. I don't think he's a game changer by any means. I just think he's a good guy to invest in in the right spots. All right, so you got a couple guys. I do. So if you want to talk about recent form and this, so I'm just looking at like, okay, I'm going through my top thirty and be like, okay, who would I not expect to be there? Denny McCarthy. So this guy's been on fire too. Like in terms of like who he is and what we expect from him, he's another low seven K range guy that we seem to just love that price range. Does Denny McCarthy do anything for you? Yeah. So I actually mentioned him sort of casually on the first cut yesterday because he's one of those guys we we kind of always thought of him as oh he's just a great putter like and and that's what that's what he's going to have to lean on to you know top twenty a tournament and then he completely fell off the map I mean he was like kind of a joke even with the putter but to your point lately he's kind of heated up and in at first I was like oh it's just one tournament he's just he's just kind of flashing here but no at that price the way he's playing I have no issue with Denny McCarthy yeah, especially so he, considering he, he he could have a hot putter like if the ball striking is there and he has the hot putter that he tends to usually have wow the upside's there for sure okay i'm i'm gonna get a little bit of him too then um the martin laird i don't think i've ever made a lineup with martin laird in it and it seemed like i don't know he, he seems to be a guy that's actually up there often um i'll check his recent finishes here but you got any love for martin laird it just i don't know his name just sounds like yeah i don't want it's just seems like a boring librarian type of name. I don't. You you know that that name recognition is such a big part of DFS. I mean, I genuinely think guys like Doug Gim were getting unrecognized. Even I don't know Brandon Steele's kind of like a cool sounding name, I guess. But like a lot of these guys, just they don't have the John Huh, for example. No name recognition. It's like kind of hard well, to say. Gim, like, Gim do you... doesn't even have a picture on DraftKings, so of course, like his ownership's going to be low because everybody's like, "Oh, that guy doesn't have a picture." Like exactly. He's not good. So, <laughs> so no. As far as Martin Laird, I can tell you, I haven't been on him in quite some time. But what I will say is, a couple of the Win Daily guys. I don't know if you noticed in our in our in our text chain. I don't remember what tournament it was. Maybe it was the Honda. I'm, I'm trying to remember, but Martin Laird's name was coming up quite a bit. Now I'm looking at his finish at the players it was 69th it was, so it wasn't the honda api 43rd so you know he was making cuts but not really doing much i don't think i'll be on martin laird but when i look at his stats i mean when i look at his ball striking it's it's not bad uh, he's not great with the putter other than that he's he looks to be plus in everything else so i, I don't hate it i mean it's 7100 there's a lot of other guys at 7100 i'd probably rather lean on that that's the only thing sure. um, i probably like the denny mccarthy play a little bit better by the way denny mccarthy third at honda 55th at the players, which is saying something. He made the cut, and this is a guy for, for him at the yeah at the players. That's that's incredible. And at the API, which was a, another really difficult challenge, 26th. So I mean, this guy's finally turned it around. And before that, he was just missing cuts constantly. He was he had a miscut in 2019 here, and then he was 20th in 2018. So I think that you could say he's comfortable here. I mean, a 20th place finish out of out of two efforts here is is saying something positive. I think. So what I like about him is, like you just said, the the finishes at the API and maybe the players is a little bit of a bad example just because how volatile that tournament is. Like that, the yeah. par three just kind of ruined a, most of my lineups that weekend in one day. But like, okay, he's finishing 55th and what was it, 26th at yeah. API? Like yep. those were stacked, stacked fields. And mm -hmm. he's, you know, take away 60% of the field in, in those tournaments, if not more for this one, like, He's totally. He could, he could finish top ten. I think that's maybe something I'll do is find like a top twenty ticket for Denny McCarthy because there's probably not a whole lot of value in the top forty. Just I'm assuming Vegas is pretty sharp on him, but I just didn't look at him much at all on this show or the the past one. 
And the last one for me is Patton Kassire. He seems like a guy that my model seems to love every week. And he was doing well for me um, two weeks ago when I had him at the Honda and then just kind of faded. I think it misses, maybe missed the uh, cup by one stroke or something like that. Uh, I don't mind that play. I'm actually looking for a Denny McCarthy first round leader number, and I haven't stumbled on it. Henrik Norlander. That would be fun. Him. Mark me down for that one. Whatever it yeah. is, I'll, I'll find it tonight. But I, I think I'm going to have to take that one as well. So when we find it, um, we're going to be betting it. So so should you. Um, I think that's that gives you six first round leaders. I mean, in, in all in all sincerity, like if if you're putting more than a few bucks on these, you're, you're you might be wasting unless you feel really strongly about like the lock, for example, Chris Kirk. Definitely put like hundreds of dollars on that. But other than that. <laughs> We're just kind of having fun with the first round leaders, but I, I am going to officially add Denny McCarthy to that first round leader roster of Chris Kirk, Sebastian Munoz, Kevin Chappell, Henrik Norlander, and Akshay Batia. You want to build one quick lineup real quick, see what we can do? Yeah, let's do it. All right. I say we lock Denny in there, and then we got to lock John, huh? Who else are we okay. talking about a ton? Uh, let's see. Well, we, I mean, we, we mentioned Chris Kirk a good amount. Why don't you lock yeah, in the guy towards the top that, that you definitely want to have in your lineup? Okay. So gun ahead, you're going, I think we're both on speed over Scheffler, right? And we're going to fade Fino. Yes. Yes. All right. So we, dude, you could afford the world if doing this. So, all right. We locked in Kirk, Spieth, huh? And McCarthy. We have 8k remaining for two players. Like that's, that's a lot. That's yeah, crazy. I think we need to get someone really low. So it's like, do you want Hadwin? I don't. Um, or is, is, is Hunt and McCarthy enough? Because they're going to be pretty low themselves. Yeah, I mean, well, I think Hunt won't be, but McCarthy. McCarthy probably low. will be. Um, it might be, especially if, depending on, I mean, if we take, for example, I mean, Brandon Steele's pretty popular, but he's at least the least popular other than Kucher in that 9K range. Is that is that a place you want to go, or do you want to aim a little bit higher than than him and take a lower guy like Corey Connors, yeah, for example. I would rather go somewhere like that. So if we go Corey Connors, maybe we can get control. Well, we only have 6,500 left at that point. So now we're in a range where we definitely, I mean, Bo Hogue is here. <laughs> Akshay. I'm out of yeah, I go with Akshay. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we get rid of Connors. Yeah. All right. So you take a guy in the upper eight K or lower nine K range. And let's see what we can do. What if we go with Hadwin? Let's go Hadwin. I like that. Okay. And so we have 7,700 left. I'm staring oh, at Danny Willett, who we yeah. talked about. You want to just go ahead and max it out with Danny you Willett? You call Willett, Munoz. Yeah, I mean, the reality is M- Munoz I don't like quite as much in okay. in, uh, in a DFS oh, format bro. versus a first-round leader. So Willett is in there, and then you could go Gim if you want. That'll free up some more money. And Lucas Glover is down there too. So plenty of ways to go. But, yeah, I like that lineup. I'm down. Get that a ton. Yeah, I'm good with that. I'm gonna run. Uh, I'm just gonna max it out with Willett and go full salary like a chump. But that ownership's really low, so I'm cool. No, I mean that's the thing is is the ownership's going to be low on on three of these guys, um, big time, and kind of like three and a half of these guys. So you're not like, right. maxing out your salary is not a bad strategy in that case. So you're you're good. That's a great lineup. I love it, and we 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 had the ability to take the what we think is the best guy which is jordan spieth i mean you you definitely think that i'm I'm maybe a little on the fence with jordan spieth but i totally agree that he's he's got the most upside here the way he's playing so you can fit in the best guy and just like it's almost like the masters where the pricing seems soft again because dustin johnson that price is is out of here so um that's it's going to be fun making lineups for sure absolutely so listen uh nick thanks for joining the show you you're welcome obviously anytime on the show um for everybody else that's listening, Joel will be back next week. I think everybody knows at this point, Michael is is on to um, different things. He's he's going to be with a different uh, outfit doing stuff behind the camera, I guess, as opposed to in front of the camera. But uh, it's going to be me and Joel the rest of the way. Hopefully Nick stops by. Maybe we can get Spencer on the show. Um, either you or Spencer really should be joining us on um, SiriusXM this weekend to maybe talk up the Masters. Maybe one of you can do Saturday, one of you can do Sunday. Um, for Absolutely, those of you, I love that. That would be great. And for those of you that aren't already subscribed to SiriusXM, get on that too because it's it's got a lot to offer. And Win Daily's on there, five to seven Eastern Standard Time on Saturday and five to seven Eastern Standard Time on Sunday. So definitely join us. We talk everything uh, from golf, but a lot of NFL, a lot of MLB, a lot of NBA. So Nick, any closing thoughts? No, it's uh, it is opening day of baseball coming on Thursday, so it's gonna, it should be a really fun weekend on Sirius's overall. Coming to the Masters, we got the first impressions of MLB teams. It, it should be a great show. 
then the yeah, NFL draft coming up. Like we're checking every single box right now. And we're going to do an NFL draft um, live stream as well for the first round like we did last year. So everybody yeah, buckle yeah. up. It's going to be really fun. Get to windailysports.com if you're not already there. Definitely subscribe and uh, rate the Better Golf Podcast. And please, if you haven't already, the Wind Daily Podcast, all that stuff uh, helps. Five stars, please. Uh, you don't need to re- write a review, but if you do, that's great too. Um, but that's it, Nick. Uh, this is the Wind Daily PGA live stream. And check us out. Uh, this is uh, every Tuesday night. So, Nick, you're welcome anytime. And uh, I always close the show, Nick, with sports. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. Sports as well. See ya.